0: Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax. We hope you enjoy this sermon from a recent Sunday worship service. Year after year, our mostly white congregations have both excelled and struggled to honor someone whose life was so meaningful to the movement of progressive politics and morality that ended so tragically in 1968. This week, I looked for the UU-specific origin story of how we came to celebrate this as an association with such fervor, and what I found was no clear understanding except that it probably seemed like the appropriate and natural thing to do based on our close involvement in the civil rights struggles of the 1960s and the way we saw and see ourselves having such deep gratitude for his life and his life's work. We, as an association, have commemorated this man's life and life work in so many different ways. Among them, there have been endless attempts to honor and represent his life in a one-hour worship service year after year that, depending on one's perspective, either truly hits the mark or has been a rather simplistic capturing of this complicated subject, Dr. King, and the legacy of it all. In my time at UUCF, we have attempted grand pieces of music and deep explorations about Dr. King, and we've tried to do that beyond the images of the I Have a Dream speech, a very common way UU congregations often chose to honor him through the years we and other congregations that I'm aware of have often tried to highlight his stance on the Vietnam War, on late-stage capitalism, and on other things that he gave his voice to later in life, like the Poor People's Campaign and today's reading, which Andrew just delivered. Yet as the MLK service rolls around each year, now 56 years after his death, it feels less and less appropriate to me to craft some service that revisits so much of what we've tried to honor year after year, as it has begun to feel more important to focus on the issues that he was raising and fighting for. In fact, personally, it feels like after 56 years of still struggling, with many of the same things that he so fervently worked on, he might actually want it that way. To that end, when preparing for this service, I couldn't get something out of my head. And it was from one of the clips that we played during our Teaching Truth event, counteracting the lies being told about the CRT, critical race theory. And that was when Dr. King talked about white backlash. In reading that, In the reading that Andrew chose to read today from Dr. King's final book, again, this was mentioned. Dr. King wrote, each step forward accents an ever-present tendency to backlash. This concept was explored even more specifically when Dr. King wrote, the segregationist goal is the total reversal of all reforms with the reestablishment of naked oppression and if need be, a native form of fascism. America had a master race in the antebellum South and reestablishing it with a resurgent clan and a totally disenfranchised lower class, totally disenfranchised lower class, would realize the dream of too many extremists on the right. And he went on to say the great majority of Americans are suspended between these two opposing attitudes. They are an easy within justice, but unwilling yet to pay a significant price to eradicate it. And the final line of the reading once again says, cries of black power and riots are not the cause of white resistance, they are the consequences of it. When we chose the worship theme for this month, which is liberating love, I had no idea that I would be mentioning fascism in the first two services of the month, and certainly not planning to talk about white Christian nationalism. We've talked about white Christian nationalism recently, but for a more in-depth description, I was interested in this one offered by the Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. And it says, White Christian nationalism is the dangerous belief that America is and must retain a Christian nation founded for its white Christian inhabitants, and that our laws and policies must reflect this. Christian nationalists deny the separation of church and state promised by our Constitution, and they oppose equality for people of color, women, LGBTQ plus people, religious minorities, and the non-religious... Increasingly, members of the media, academics, and others use the term Christian nationalism, and often white Christian nationalism, to describe a political movement that seeks to topple our democracy by undermining church and state separation and declaring America a Christian nation. This resurgent movement is a part of a backlash against the changing demographics in America and the struggle to retain traditional white Christian power structures. These extremists are raging against the dying of their privilege. So again, liberating love. Dang. How in the world will that container stop this backlash from breaking down our democracy? Well, you see, this is where the life and lessons and legacy of Dr. King on this day in January, where we traditionally celebrate those things, might actually have something to say to us. But it isn't the more well-known quotes that talk about the power of love in a way that whitewashes his thoughts to soothe us and make us feel better. It is a challenge about the sacrifices that his message of liberating love may actually require. For instance, he said, nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and establish such creative tension that a community that has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. And then he said, I must confess that I am not afraid of the word tension I have earnestly worked and preached against violent tension but there is a type of constructive tension that is necessary for growth and the purpose of direct action is to create a situation so crisis-packed that it will inevitably open the door to negotiation so I, I read that quote and I thought who is there to negotiate with if we're to hit the streets Understanding that there are so many things we could hit the streets about. What kind of direct action would we take and where would we take that direct action? Now there are of course many opinions about that and I'm guessing that Andrew has a few ideas, (laughs) but don't come up here now. But today I think to honor Dr. King's legacy, I feel that it's important for us to hear one more of his quotes, which is, Hatred and bitterness can never cure the disease of fear. Only love can do that. Hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred confuses life. Love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life. And love illumines it. This, for me, is one of the most important lessons of faith, that if we are going to truly honor this man's life and legacy, we have to engage it as a spiritual practice. Now, let me read that again. Hatred and bitterness can never cure the disease of fear. Only love can do that. Hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred confuses life. Love harmonizes it. And hatred darkens life, but love illumines it. Today, based in our faith and not in bitterness, the social justice advisory team is launching the UUCF Democracy Project. A series of activities for UUCF members and friends to engage in throughout 2024 related to getting out the vote, engaging with politicians, hosting community events, and working with partners to focus on serving and saving our democracy. After the service, we have tables set up in the commons where you can sign up for things you're interested in to participate and or help organize and we also have a suggestion box for your ideas. This effort, aligning Dr. King's values of inclusion, freedom, and justice for all, with our UU principles and values, will most adeptly honor Dr. King's legacy, not by us standing here year after year, thinking up new ways to frame his life. It will come from our ability to integrate his strategies and methods, coming from a deep place within us all. Honoring him will come with opening our hearts as well as our minds to practice a kind of love that admittedly is hard for most of us. A love that transcends pettiness and bitterness and growing the, the growing disease of hate and othering that can so easily taint our views and actions. And this liberating love is even harder as times grow harder. And the horizon can seem so much further away. But hatred and bitterness can never cure the disease of fear. Only, only love can do that. It paralyzes life and love releases it. It confuses life and love harmonizes it and it darkens life and love illuminates it. Let us not be overtaken by what we struggle against. Let us be the lights that illuminate the liberating power of love. Let us not give lip service to this legacy, but now in these days and all we do, live it, supporting each other, calling us back in if we fall away, and most of all, finding our way forth, inspired and guided by this call to active, open, liberating love as a practice, not of our anger and fear, but of our faith. May that be so. Blessed be and amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Fairfax. To listen to more sermon podcasts, go to uucf.org worship hyphen services and scroll down to sermon podcasts.